0: From Cross Culture Church in Raleigh, this is Crosswalk. This week we continue our study of 2 Peter. It's part of the series Building on the Basics, and we're building on the basic of hope. Let's pick up the message where we left off two weeks ago, as Pastor Clay explains how God does His part in providing salvation for us and what we need for this life, but that God also has some expectations on our part that will give us the life we're meant to have. We're glad you've joined us. Now here's Pastor Clay.
1: Two weeks ago... I, I started into Second Peter. We're working through this series, building on the basics, uh, the basic of, of faith in the book of James, and the basic of hope, and now in First and Second Peter. And two weeks ago, we just started into Second Peter. And I started, if you were here, I talked about this idea that there's a sense in which you and I are in a partnership with God. Now, you've got to make sure, theologically, that you understand the parts that we are partnering with Him and the parts that we're not. We're not... As you'll see, you know, we're not partnering with him in our salvation. That's, that's a God deal. God does that. But there is a sense that, that we join God in, in being who he wants us to be. Does that make sense? In accomplishing what he wants us to accomplish. And so, uh, I wanna, I'm going to read just a moment. I'm going to read again 2 Peter Chapter one, verses one through eleven. If you bought, bought your Bible with you, you can open there. If you have an electronic version, whatever the case may be, we'll also have the text on the screen uh, for uh, for your ease. But Second uh, Peter chapter one, verses one through eleven. Uh, Peter begins to talk about God's part in this partnership. And again, let me emphasize: it's not. I I, I was hesitant to use that word because partnership implies uh, equality, and, and that's not the case. Okay, it's not. But God has invited us into this relationship with him where he invites us to come alongside and to experience all that he has for us. And we have personal responsibility in that, as we're going to talk some about uh, this morning. Second Peter uh, chapter 1. Have you opened your Bibles there already? Thanks for being here. I'm glad to, to be back home. That's thanks, thanks. That's the song. Y'all know that song? Right? Country, I think it's country song, right? Who sings that? Hey, it's good to be back home again. Is that a John Denver song? Well, I, John Denver didn't have that much southern twang, so I just messed it all up. But, but it's, it's good to be back home again. Second Peter, chapter 1, verse 1. Listen to what God says. Simon Peter, here comes this greeting. We talked about that last week. Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. For by these He he has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Wow. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control, and in your self-control, perseverance, and in your perseverance, godliness, and in your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities... Is blind or short sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Father, Today, this is uh, uh, there's a lot in in this passage. Uh, I've been studying your Word for a long time, and I'm always amazed that no matter how deep we think we are going, there are always new discoveries, always new uh, ways that you're you're speaking to us through your Word. And I'm asking that today for each one of us in this room, each one. Uh, Uh, watching or who listen uh, to this message today, I'm asking that you would take your word and apply it to each of our hearts and our lives right where we are. Uh, All of us are are sinners in need of a Savior. Many of us in here may already have received Christ as our Savior. Some may still be uh, in the process of of figuring out what that means uh, for them, but God, there is a variety of circumstances and situations and if we went around the room this morning and began to ask people about what's going on in their life or what are they troubled about or what's, what's bothering them or what trials or circumstances are they in, it, it would be, uh, <laughs> it might could be kind of depressing, Lord, were it not for the fact that we believe that you are, that you are on your throne and that you, as we will talk about some this morning, you have the power to give us victory in our lives. Single, married, widowed, younger, older, middle-aged, well-off, struggling financially, jobless, have a job, a career, whatever the case may be, there's a lot. But may you take uh, each of us, draw us near unto yourself into this particular passage of Scripture and make application for our lives so that we leave here today. And that's really... I think may perhaps the greatest act of worship that we'll do today, Father, is to leave here uh, saying, wow, God spoke to me today. God ministered to my heart and met me where I was in my hurt. And he brought clarity to my life or he brought conviction or he, he brought uh, whatever it is that each of us needs." I'm so grateful for the people who are part of Cross Culture Church. God, may you be uh, honored and glorified, and not just in this service, but every day in our lives. Uh, Today, we're the church gathered. In a little while, we'll be the church scattered. We'll go out into the world around us. And may we be uh, the person out there that would be used by you to impact this world. And we ask it today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Okay. Uh, thank you so much. Let, let me let me do a brief review from a couple of weeks ago. It has been a couple of weeks, and I always like to review a little bit anyway. Uh, but first or second Peter chapter one verse one through eleven, this partnership. What's, what's God doing in this thing and what are we doing in this thing? Here's where we started a couple weeks ago. We started with God's provision. We said that, that in verses 1 through 3, I won't, re- won't reread them right at this moment, but we could see in there that, that God is making some provision for us and for our lives. And the first provision that, that comes up there is that there's a common, sal- uh, this is the provision of salvation. That God makes this provision of salvation to us; that it, it's nothing that we do or earn. You can see that in the breakdown there. That it's a common salvation. In other words, it, it, it's—I know everybody—you know—says, "Well, what about all the other religions? What about all that?" And we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Um, but in the end, Jesus said in John 14, He said, "I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except." by me. And a person either recognizes that, receives it, or they reject it. Either way, somebody's right and somebody's wrong. But it's a common salvation. It doesn't, Peter said, the same grace that came to me, it's the same grace that came to you and, and, and you are saved. And so it's this common salvation that we have. Uh, you know, I, I know people, uh, everybody's seen the, the uh, bumper stickers that they kind of you know have all different symbol religious symbols and all that stuff, and what does it say coexist that 's right it 's like that idea that you know why can 't we all just get along and, and there's this, and, and that shouldn 't be a problem for anybody and, and none of us should have any problem with the with the Muslim who chooses to to worship in his mosque or the the Hindu who worships at at, at his idols and all that stuff that that is that is the choice that every uh, person has but uh, but to coexist doesn't mean that there's co-equality in religions. It, it just doesn't. I, as I've said many times, it's a very rational thought to think somebody's right and somebody's wrong. If, if Jesus claims he's the only way, he's either right or wrong. And as I like to say, I'm going with the guy that rose from the dead. I, I just, I, that's just what, what I believe. And so um, it's this common salvation. It's an unearned salvation. You can't work for it. You don't deserve it. Uh, it has nothing to do with that. Works are, come on the other end of salvation, but uh, not to earn God's approval, not any of that stuff, but this, this grace gift that God bestows upon us when we recognize our sinfulness and our need for a Savior. Sometimes you just come to the place where you say, you know what, I'm broken. I am, I am messed up, man. I am flat messed up. And I can't do it myself. I have to understand that God has to do this. I, a friend I went to college with uh, uh, years ago, an evangelist, he used to have this saying, he said, sometimes you've got to get people lost before you can get them saved. In other words, you've got to help people understand, hey, I, I, am, I, I am a hell-bound, deserving sinner. That's what I deserve because I've broken God's commandments. But God's grace. And so it's an unearned salvation. And then uh, the second provision he gives us is the provision of power. And I talked about the fact that there is no substitute for it. All the self-help books uh, in the world, all the power of positive thinking, all the, the daytime TV uh, shows that try and give advice about this or that, that in the end there is no substitute for the power of God working in your life. And without that power, you simply cannot accomplish uh, what we're going to talk about today in this life that God wants for you. You do understand God wants a, a life for you. It, it, it may take different colors and shapes and, and for each particular person. Do you understand that there are these common denominators that God wants you? God wants you to have peace in your life. God wants you to have purpose in your life. God wants you to have his power in your life. God wants you to have contentment in your life. God wants you to have joy and fulfillment and all those things. He wants you to have those things. He really does. And he makes the power possible. There's no substitute for it and there are no excuses for not having it. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have committed your life to Christ and you... Look at your life and you say, my life is a mess, my life doesn't make sense, I'm not happy, I'm, I'm discontented, I'm, uh, there's no joy in my life, there's no, I'm angry all the time, I'm, I'm, whatever all that might be. Listen, it, the problem is not the power source, you understand what I'm saying? And there's that, that passage there, and uh, again in the passage, I think, and it might be verse 3, last part of verse 3, yeah, his divine power has granted to us, what, let's see, what's that next word? Oh, would you say it again? His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. This comment, how do I live this godly life? If you're struggling in that area of your life, it's not because God's trying to make it hard. It's not because God's saying, no, nah, I'm going I'm to hold my power back from that person for a while. No, the issue is on our end, our part of the partnership, if you will, to it. So there was God's a provision, and then we talked about. After that, we talked about the. Uh, after the prison, it, go ahead. I'm sorry, Tyler. I got to move on. God's promises, God's provision, salvation, power, and then Peter talks about God's promises there in verse uh, four. And those promises uh, look like this: His nature and His freedom. He says that this divine nature. Impart it, uh, koineinai. This this shared thing that we have with God. Now I'll say it again. Be careful. It's not saying that we become gods, new, no. but His nature becomes, comes to dwell within us, uh, and we have this divine nature within us. His His Spirit comes. To dwell within us. I, don't, can't, I think I read this passage. In John chapter uh, 14. Uh, the other day. But it says. And I will ask the Father. And he will give you another advocate. Who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit. Who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him. In other words. A person outside of, of the desire to follow God. They, they can't have this. They can't experience what it is. To have the Spirit of God dwelling within you. The world cannot receive him. Because it isn't looking for him. And doesn't recognize him. But you know him. Because he lives with you and now later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. Jesus is saying this and he's getting ready to go back to heaven. And the disciples are probably thinking, oh my goodness. what I mean, he's come back to life but now he's going to... What, what are we going to... I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father. And you are in me and I am in you. This 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 unbelievable relationship that we have this connection that we have uh, with uh, his spirit dwelling in us so, uh, so we, we gain go back to uh, Tyler to the, we gain his nature and his freedom that, that connects with that y'all remember that part where it talks about that, uh, that basically he set us free it was the last part of uh, uh, verse uh, 4 having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust does anybody know what lust is? Anybody ever experienced lust? Okay, right. And don't think of it simply in the sexual sense, we tend to think, but, but this just the pull, the desire for things, as we'll see in a moment, that are contrary to what God wants for our life. One of his promises is that we can begin to experience freedom from that. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that, uh, that anybody that has, has raised children know, knows that you don't have to teach a child to be selfish, do you? It is our sin nature. And it's, and it's the natural inclination that we have. And when Christ comes to dwell within us, we receive his nature now so that now we can actually begin to make choices based on his power, working through his power, we can make choices that, that aren't selfish, that aren't uh, self-centered, that aren't possessive, that, that we can actually make choices that begin to honor God instead of... Feeding our flesh. Do you understand where we're, where that, what's going? Okay, all right. Um, now let's talk about our part uh, this morning. Verses uh, 5 through 7, let me pick it up. And now, for this very reason also, applying, and here's this list, all diligence in your faith, supply moral excellence, and in your moral excellence, knowledge in your knowledge, self-control and your self-control, perseverance in your perseverance, godliness and your godliness, brotherly kindness, and in your brotherly kindness, love. Peter starts out by saying, all right, now here's what God's done for you. God provided your salvation. God provides the power that you need for your life. And and, and it allows you to experience the very promises of God to to have his nature uh, dwelling within you so that that you can begin to live in a way that sets you free from the power of sin. You don't have to give in. You can begin to all this kind of stuff. Look look what God has done for you, what Peter says. Now, here comes the partnership. Do you see? Now, here's what God expects from you. Here's what God wants to do in your Here's our part. And he begins to list, and he lists, I think it's eight uh, uh, aspects of our, our character or conduct that should begin to be present in our lives. Now, wouldn't it be easier if God just zapped us and made us super Christians that never get it wrong, that are never... Te- Man, God... That would be so much easier. Right? But just because something is easier for us doesn't mean that it's better for us. Think of it this way. Is God more honored when he forces us to make the right choice? When he, when he zaps us or he, he causes us to make the right choice or do the right thing? or something? Is God more honored when he does that or when we of our own redeemed, free will, choose to honor Him by making the choice that He would make for us. Do you see? you see what we're saying here? Which honors God more? Could He zap us and, and say, oh yeah, from now on, Clay is never going to be tempted clay is never going to sin clay is going to be perfect in everything he does he's going to be a perfect husband he's going to be a, a perfect pastor he's going to be a perfect father he's going to be per- he's going to do everything perfect all the time he's going to treat everybody well and, and he's going to do all this stuff could could God do that absolutely sure he could but i would argue that god's honored more when i make the choice to do that it's still his power right it's not it's not clay you know trying to be more no it's still his power accomplishing this in my life but I make this volitional choice to say no God uh, sure I'd love to indulge in this or I'd I'd love to whatever but I'm going to choose to do what will honor you that blesses God. Anybody, any of you that have raised children, you know that this is true. You know that you are far more blessed when your child chooses to do something that, that they know that, that you want them to do. When they choose to do it because they want to honor you, because they respect you, because they love you, and they choose to do that rather than when you, when you put your, your finger on them and say, you're not leaving the house until you do that. You're not doing this. Until you do that. Which blesses you more as a parent, right? So... Peter begins to list these, these, uh, these eight uh, parts, if you will. Now, time simply will not allow us to elaborate on all eight of these exhaustively. And maybe it's not even necessary. Uh, one of the things that jumps out at me is that Peter doesn't explain at all, does he? He just, bam, 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 bam. He just basically just lists them. So maybe no explanation is needed at all. Although I may point out a few things, a couple of things in some of them. You ready? Remember, God... God's part, he he saves us, he redeems us, he fills us with his spirit, he empowers us, he gives us everything, everything we need. Didn't we read that? Everything we need for life and godliness. Now, how do we get it? Here we go. He starts with this first one. Here's our part, diligence. First thing he lists, diligence. Well, let's define it. Webster defines it this way, persevering application. Diligence is persevering application. It is it is a no-quit attitude, no stopping, no letting up. I'm going to do this. And it doesn't matter whether anybody else is trying to do it. It doesn't matter whether it's not going well. It doesn't matter whether I don't see things happening. Uh, it is persevering diligence. I will stay at a persevering application. I'm going to do this because this is what God wants for my life and God makes it clear. This is how I get to the good stuff. This is how I get to joy and peace and contentment and, and purpose and, and fulfillment and joy. Uh, that's how I get there. I got to do my part in, what, in what, how this thing works together. So I don't care what anybody else does. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, another uh, definition I came across uh, dictionary.reference.com says constant and earnest effort to accomplish what is undertaken, persistent exertion of body or mind. And I would, I would really change that to say persistent exertion of body and mind when it comes to this application of the life in Christ, that, that that's, I'm, not, I'm not backing down, I'm not backing away, I'm not backing up, I am moving forward in who God has called me to be, and I'm not going to stop until he calls me home, uh, whenever that will be. It's just, just diligence. Ask yourself this question, and we'll move on. Ask yourself this question. Do you apply diligence in your walk with Christ? Do you diligently go after this this life that God uh, wants for you? Ask yourself that question. And while you're thinking about that, let's go to the next one. Diligence, and then he says moral excellence, is the way Peter puts it. Moral excellence, and it means exactly what you would expect it to mean. It means a life of excellence. It means a life of... Morally speaking, that is that is based on God's expectations for our life, God's understanding of morality. Does anybody know what morality is? I'll, I guess I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> and go on. It is God's understanding of morality. Now this gets listen, folks, I have I have beat this dead horse into the ground, I'm sure, but I'm gonna I'm gonna mount up again, I'm gonna say it. Uh, Because I've said this over and over again throughout this series. This gets to the heart of an issue that I'm seeing more and more in the church. I'm talking about in the church. This is the issue I see more and more in the church. And it it is this disconnect between what people say they believe and how people live. That there is some type of disconnect here, and I don't, for the life of me, I don't understand it. If the churches are are teaching the word of God and God's expectation, I don't understand how there seems to be this understanding that oh yeah, I can believe in Jesus absolutely. So I, I'm getting, he, he's I'm going to heaven, but how I live my life is totally, uh, totally. Uh, Distant, totally separate from my belief system. And that's simply not the... Over and over and over and over and over and over again. In the pages of God's word, he says it. And here's what he says. He says, my morality must match my theology. And vice versa. If I say I believe in this God who has a moral standard, then I must choose. Well, I may be tempted. I may I have this flesh and, and other... I must choose that moral standard. I can't set my own moral standard. I can't accept the world's moral standard. Moral excellence from God's perspective. So, for instance, and I just—it's just, I, it's just in, for instance—the world today, the culture in which we live in today, would say that uh, uh, sexual activity uh, can be engaged uh, with with any two consenting. Uh, people, as long as they are consenting, as long as it's not forced or anything like that, that, that that's uh, sexually, uh, that's morally acceptable in the realm of sexuality. And God says, I, I mean, how many places do you want me to give you chapter and verse? God says that sexuality, that the, that the gift of sex is shared between uh, a, a man and a woman in marriage. A husband with his wife, a wife with his husband. And there are no exceptions. There is no escape clause. There is no... Um, it, it, it's just the moral standard that God set. And people say, well, I know, but but, but times have changed. God hasn't. Amen. Amen. I, I, and I don't... It's not... I, God hasn't. Y'all seen that Malachi chapter 3 verse 6, I, the Lord, do not change. By the way, that's, that's why we have any hope in this world. It's the very fact that God is not not growing or learning or expanding or anything like that. That, that he doesn't change. And so his His thoughts towards us don't change. No matter how knucklehead we act, he still loves us. He still wants to reach out to us. He still wants to draw us unto us. He does all these things. But he doesn't change and so his moral excellence doesn't change and so he says you you want you want you want my power in your life you want the you want all these promises that i'll give to you here's what you got to do you got to diligently work at this and you have to have moral excellence in your life there's no there's no there's no way around it and i didn't write those rules god did third knowledge obviously within the context of this he's the knowledge of god uh, obviously, there's all kinds of knowledge that we can gain. It's all part of God's creation, but within the context of this, the knowledge uh, of the Word of God, the Bible. It's, it's this, there is this increasing uh, knowledge in my life of the Word of God because that's where the power is, that's where the peace, where all these things come as a result of the Word of God in our lives. And if you do not, if you're not increasing in your knowledge of the Word of God, th- then you're in trouble. I'm in trouble. Any of us, if we're not, if we're not, and listen, there's no, we're all, we're all pretty much adults here, right? Nobody's making, nobody's going to make you do this. Nobody's going to, can really shame you into doing this. You either decide, I am going to know the word of God for myself, or, or I'm not. And again, this is, this is another characteristic that I see in the church today. Not, I mean, I just see, I see it prevalent in the church. It's just like, oh, uh, I, I know, yeah. Well, just tell me. Just, just give me these five steps of how I can have peace in my life. Just, just give me three steps to a, a better merit. Knowledge. And, and like I said, nobody's holding a gun to your head. You either decide, I'm going to do this. I'm going to grow up in Christ Jesus. I'm going to increase in my knowledge of the Word of God. And if I don't, then remember, He's provided everything. So if i don't have everything it's not the power sources problem knowledge uh, fourth self control uh, this is one of the uh, aspects of the fruit of the spirit that Paul mentions in Galatians chapter five the self-control is that I, it's, it's not the idea that i'm doing better but it's the idea that i'm not giving in to my flesh and in the power of God his spirit is controlling my actions so that so that i don't uh, Go running this way or do that thing or get involved in that or, or these things that, that would be a violation of God's moral excellence uh, because of the self control of His Spirit working in me, I'm able to have victory. You understand? I, that, but it has to be evident. I have to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build self control into my life. I'm going to let His Spirit have control rather than my spirit, my nature, having control. Does that make sense? Y'all with me? I mean, yeah, I, you may not agree. I don't know if you agree with me or not agree with me, but, but you're, you're hearing what I'm saying. That's, and by the way, I hope not just what I'm saying. Hopefully, I'm agreeing with, simply what Peter's saying. I'm just giving you what Peter's saying here. And uh, then after perseverance, or after self-control, comes perseverance. It's getting kind of getting back to the idea of diligence, but it is still it's this idea that that diligence is like I, I'm just I'm just doing. That. I'm going to be diligent. I'm going I'm to do this. I'm going to do this. Perseverance is is obviously related to it, but it's when when the stuff comes against you, right? That it's like oh my. Golly, gumdrops. (laughs) I'm throwing in the towel. Where's the towel? I'm throwing it in because I can't take this anymore. I try and do the whole Jesus thing and life gets worse or I get beat up or people take advantage of me or my spouse is a jerk or whatever else. Forget it. Perseverance. 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 I'm going to get right back up in the morning. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to get up next morning. I'm going to do it again. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. This is my own personal life. Whether it's talking about my own spiritual, personal spiritual growth, whether it's talking about pastoring a church, whether it's preaching on Sunday, whatever the case may be, there are many times when, I, when the next day, when I, when I just have this conversation with, with me, and, me and God, and there are many times when I, when I have had, had to admittedly say, God, I don't have a clue what you are doing, but I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day until you take me home or tell me to do something else. This is what I'm going to do. It's perseverance, no matter. Yeah, but you don't understand. I don't get the same from my spouse. They, they, don't. They're not interested in following Jesus. Perseverance. Yeah, but if you had to work where I have to work, perseverance. Yeah, but if you had the physical problems, the financial problems, if you had this, if you had that... Perseverance. I don't care. Peter says this has got to be a part of your life because listen, if there's not perseverance, you know what you'll do? You'll quit. I'll quit because I know my nature. Okay, where are we? Godliness. Godliness. He listed again. Godliness. Uh, he listed again. I'm meaning there obviously there's a connection between godliness and moral excellence, right? Obviously, moral excellence would be. Uh, a huge part of godliness, but it goes beyond that. Listen to me; it goes beyond that. Godliness is not just not doing the things God wouldn't want you to do. It's doing the things God would want you to do. It's it's living godly. It's living in a way that those around you would get an idea of of who God is and how God acts. By what they see in your life. By how they see you act. By how they see you live your life. By how they see you treat your spouse or treat your co-workers or treat your children or whatever the case may be. They see God through your conduct, through your actions, through your words, through your personality. That's Godness. And listen, i would be honest with you, and some of y'all could, could give a witness if we had time and I asked for a witness. Some of y'all could give, give a witness. But I'm telling you, some of the... The morally upright. Some I've known plenty of morally upright church folks that wouldn't even dream, or at least wouldn't let anybody know that they would dream of engaging in some of the moral practices that that much of our culture engages in. But they are also hateful and spiteful and resentful and mean spirited, and have no resemblance at all to their supposed. Heavenly Father, can I get a witness? Anybody ever run into some of them church folks that 's not godly it 's just saying well i i would never uh, I would never smoke or chew or go with the girls that do i would never i would never I would never do that it's not, it's, 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 it's how would God you don't you know, you know what you don't you don 't find Jesus doing that do you you don 't find Jesus acting that way Jesus had no had no problem confronting people about sin if there was sin in their life. But he didn't turn his nose up at them. He didn't turn his back to them. He turned his heart to them. And he said, I, I, I love you. And I love you enough to say that this is destructive to your life. You may not even see it right now. You may not even understand it right now. I'm not even sure I understand it right now. But God says it's destructive to your life. And so because I love you, I'm willing to say to you uh, it's destructive. And I'm willing to do, how, do you, how can I help you? How can I How can I?" Make your life better. How? That's godliness. And that's what God wants for our lives. That people would look at, look at you. And, and maybe they, they may not necessarily agree with you. They may not necessarily agree with your theology. But if they see Christ lived out in you, they can at least say, Man, I, I, don't, I don't know if I buy all that Jesus stuff that that guy's selling. But wow, I wish more people were like, were like her. I wish more people were like that guy. The Godliness uh, and then, uh, brotherly kindness, I don't know what needs to be said, uh, and I was thinking about this, I kind of chuckled when I was working on this, and I think, brotherly kindness, God, did, did you see me and my brothers growing up? You know, because it wasn't, it all, wasn't always brotherly kindness, and the same thing with my, with my sons when they were growing up, it wasn't always brotherly kindness, but, but you know what, you know, how, you know how this is, when push comes to shove, there's, there's nobody that defend each other more than brothers or and it's just, it's, just, it's just really just this idea of kind, just being kind. Being, we, we live in a mean-spirited world for the most part, really. And just to be kind. That'll be part of our life. And then uh, the last one, love. Love. He doesn't list it last because it's the least important. There's, there, I don't necessarily, there's not a priority necessarily in any of this listing, that, that this list that Peter makes. But this is, this, is, this is it, right? And in case, by the way, in case you've forgotten... 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient, love is kind, it's not jealous, it doesn't brag, it's not arrogant, it does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, it's not provoked, it does not take into account a wrong suffered, it does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but it rejoices with the truth. It bears all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. Say it. Love never fails. Real love. Godly love. You had somebody that that fell out of love with you and and left you, that's not God's understanding of love. That's God's understanding of love. So let me ask you, does that look like the kind of love you express to your spouse if you're married? To your children, your children, to to their parents? To the people that you work with? You kind of got to love them too. Is that what it looks like? We're going to see it when we get there, but uh, after we finish 2 Peter, but in 1 John, uh, John gives us this great definition. He says, this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God is the one that that defines love, expresses love, shows what true love is. It's sacrificial, and that's what ought to be evident in our lives. That is... The, those are those components that's what what puts us in position then to receive you understand to receive this power for everything in life and godliness and if i'm unwilling if i reject those those eight things right there and if i just say well i don't care i, I don't, i'm gonna live the way i want to live or i'm i don't have to love that person if they if they're mean to me or i don't i'm just not going to do it okay as i understand it, it's your choice but, but just understand that you'll reap the consequences of that and you'll never experience what God wants you to experience in your life until you come to a place to say, man, that stuff's got to be in my life. That stuff has got to be in my life. Listen, the older I get, the faster I realize how quickly, the faster I realize time is moving. How quickly time begins to move. When you're eight years old, you can't wait to turn nine. And it seems like it takes Forever. For nine to come around when you're 48 years old the birthdays seem like they come every three weeks and you're you're not as thrilled as you once were with those birthdays Uh, with old friends and family this past week we were talking about our pastor that we grew up under uh pastor dick whipple he's he's still he's 92 he's been retired for a number of years now his wife just recently passed away, but we were talking about what we called Whippleisms. You know, he had, Pastor Whipple had all these kind of things, but one of his, uh, that I, uh, several of his have stuck with me, and I've shared many of them with you, but, but one of them was this. Pastor Whipple used to say, all too soon from this life will pass, only what's done for Christ will last. It, it's, it's really the truth. It really is. This is what our life is supposed to be like. This is what it's supposed to look like. It's what honors God, but, but add it to that, it's what brings His, his blessing and his, his power into our lives. I've said this, some of you have heard me say this to you, perhaps in a counseling session or wherever. I've said this from up here, and, and I really believe this is true. There's one thing God blesses, God blesses obedience. God blesses obedience, and that's the only thing He blesses. In other words, if I really want to experience all that God wants in my life, I have to be the man he's asked me to be. Some of you may have noticed that um, I haven't haven't been down that way now in a couple weeks. I assume it hasn't changed. but Some of you may have noticed that there's a a church building for sale right down the street on on Leesville Road. Uh, Catch the Fire Church uh, moved to Durham. And their building is is still for sale, Steve? Yeah? So the building is for sale. Um, From what I understand, they want somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, $1.5 million for it. Now, I know that there have been people, perhaps some of you sitting out there right now, that would say, wow, I wish we could have our own space. I wish we could have our own place that was ours. That we just walk into and turn on the lights and get ready to, to, to do our deal. Yeah, and I understand that, man, there, there, there would be certainly some, some blessings to our setup teams. Listen, our setup teams work their behinds off on Sunday. We, all, we try and remind, them, we try and encourage them to say, remember, remember, it's just one, one day a week. But listen, if you want to be on, a, on the setup team, Michael McCown sure talked to you about that because we can always use help. But I, I understand it. Boy, it would sure, it would help them. And it would be great for our, our cross-culture kids and for our, our, our student ministry uh, to have dedicated spaces. It would be great uh, to have meeting places for our life groups or to have fellowships and all that kind of stuff. And, and from what I understand, uh, that that building down there would would meet our needs for sure. From the size we are right now, it would it would certainly do what we need it to do, and there would be enough parking, I think, for right right now. And and I don't think you could argue that based on where we are in this whole Leesville area, you, you can't beat the location, right? Now, I just uh, I, I'm transparent as I can be. I I don't believe, based on where we currently are, that there's any way in the world that we could afford a 1.5 million dollar uh, mortgage. It, it, if Steve did his math right, it would work out to uh, roughly at least twice as much as we are currently paying for rent, plus utilities added in uh, to that. Now, don't get me wrong, wouldn't hurt my feelings a bit if God dropped a person into our lap that had an extra 1.5 million laying around and wanted to give it to us. Wouldn't, wouldn't, it would hurt you all feelings? Probably wouldn't hurt any of our feelings, right? But listen to me. This is what we've got to build on. It's not bricks and mortar. God bless it. I got nothing against it. But but this is the church. This is the church that Peter's describing here. This is what it looks like—a church that says, "Man, I love you. I'm going to speak truth to you, but I love you. How can I help you? How can I minister in my community? How can I minister in your life? How can you minister to me? How can we help each other grow up in Christ? How this this is the church, not not the not the sign we put out front, not the, not the bricks and the mortar, not the whatever, all that stuff. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if we, if we work on this, if we say, God, man, thanks for, 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 your, for your provision. Thanks for your promises. God, now I understand what my part is. Maybe I've understood it before, but now I see it again. And I've got to live this kind of life. If we will focus on this part of the church as God is my witness, God will take care of all the rest of it, folks. He'll take care of the rest of it. I, I'm, I'm not saying that doesn't mean we don't make plans. I'm not saying it doesn't mean that we don't, don't try and vision out and say, wow, you know, how can we expand or get our own property or, or start satellite campuses or all that kind of stuff, all that vision, that's fine, that's good. But, but this is who we are to be. This is where the priority has to be. And God will take care of all the rest. This life is fast, it moves quickly, and it will be over sooner probably than most of us want it to be. Peter gives this just tragic reference in here to a wasted and useless life. I, I, I can't think of anything more tragic than to come to the end of my days and to think my life has been wasted. And useless is what he says. Listen, you can you can you can be the next Steve Jobs, you can be a famous pro athlete. You can be successful at business and you can have millions of dollars. You can do all of that stuff. But I'm telling you, if your life doesn't line up with what Peter describes here, you'll come to the end of your days and your life will have been wasted and it will have been useless. I, I, don't, want, I, I don't want that to be the case for me or for any of you. I'm just being honest with you. I want to I come to the end of my days. I want the devil to be glad I'm gone when I'm gone. Because, because hopefully, of the, because of the investment I've made in people's lives, because of the impact I've tried to have for the kingdom of God, I, I truly, I want the devil to be glad when I'm gone. But more important than that, more important than that, when I step across that threshold called death, that all of us one day will step across, I want to see my Savior and I want to hear these words that he gives to us. Matthew, uh, not everyone, sorry, go on. His owner said to him, you have, been do- you have done well. You're a good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. And that may be how you feel at times. Man, my life, it's just, it's just a few things. I, I don't have much. I, I don't have much influence. I, I don't make much difference. It may seem that way to you. But if it's lived to the glory of God, it's not. It's not insignificant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will put many things in your care. Come, come. And Share my joy. Anybody that gets to hear that, it will not have been a wasted life.
0: What a blessing to know that God provides everything we need for the life He wants us to have. Our salvation was purchased by Jesus Christ's death on the cross. We can't earn it. We certainly don't deserve it. That's why they call it grace. And as Pastor Clay explained, God provides His power that allows us to live the life God wants us to have. Our lives will never be perfect in this world, but praise God for what He provides and what He desires for us to have. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning at Cross Culture Church. We gather every week in a casual and contemporary atmosphere and celebrate the goodness of our God. Cross Culture may be a little different from what you're thinking. Sure, we're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. A community of believers where Jesus is revealed in the lives of each person. Real people who truly care. Solid biblical teaching from Pastor Clay Stevens, And the most energetic, safe, and fun kids program around. Find out more at crossculturelife.org. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church. Taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross.